Welcome to Hope Assembly of God Online. We believe no matter the journey, there is always hope. This is a recording of our live Sunday sermon, unedited, uncut, real. John chapter 9 is one of my favorite chapters in all of Scripture. And you know what my favorite chapters are is whatever ones I'm preaching on that week. I get so excited about it. John chapter 9 was one of those I could probably do probably nine weeks on just John chapter 9. I mean, last week I only got through three verses and there's like 54. Uh, and I was reading through and just, just preparing and, and I, there was more and more and more. I don't even know where this is going to end up today. Uh, I preached this morning on, online, and I had a, a general direction I thought I was going to go, and it went in another direction. Still in John 9, still in John 9, but uh, we're just going to kind of see where it goes and see where the Lord leads. Some of the thoughts will be similar, but we'll, we'll just go, go from, from there. Well, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. This isn't an altar call, okay? This is part of the sermon uh, in that. I'm going to close your eyes, and I'm going to ask you to envision uh, a dog, Okay, a dog, and you picture a dog, a dog in your mind, and then I'm going to ask you to picture a, a house, a house in your mind, and I'm picturing two of them. I'm picturing my, the house I grew up in and the house I live in now, okay? And then with your eyes still closed, I'm going to ask you to, uh, when I say pizza, what, what do you think of? And, and I, I see Most pizzas, are, I think, are like 12-inch, keep your eyes closed, 12-inch round. I'm envisioning a 36-inch round uh, pizza cut in half with bacon on one side and, and, and sausage on the other. Okay, okay, I'm sorry, I got lost in that. You can open your eyes again. Okay, now did you all picture things, some of the things you pictured while I was talking, you didn't know what my house looked like, you kind of know what my house looks like now, but you didn't know what it was, you didn't know what dog I was picturing in your mind. I, I kind of painted the picture for you for the pizza. Um, how many of you, when you were thinking of pizza, thought of pineapple and ham on your pizza? Okay, the, you can either go out that door or you can go out that door. <laughs> This is what happens. I've been saying this for years. What's the problem here? You start letting Gentiles into the church. <laughs> but the reason I had you do that is because you could picture something in your mind because you've seen it before. The guy we're dealing with today is a man that was born blind. And you could say, well, what does the sky look like? He has no idea. What's well, blue? Where, where, where do you live? What's your house look like? Your parents, what do, what do they look like? Because he was born blind. We take vision for, for granted uh, unless we lose it. But even the simplest process of just the eye, just one part of the working of the eye is divinely complex. Mark Batterson says this, the retina sitting at the back, now he's a preacher, and not an eye guy, which the name of that doctor is just completely slipping my mind right now. Optometrist, ophthalmologist, opti-eye guy. Okay, we're going to go with that. Okay? But the retina sitting at the back of your eye, that's the thing that gives you the evil red eyes in the picture. Uh, 
conducts close to, listen to this, 10 billion calculations every second. And that's before an image even travels through the optic nerve to the visual cortex, okay? So we're talking complicated here. And then this guy, he writes that I don't even know what he's talking about, but that's why I want to share it with you. His name is Dr. John Stevens. He puts it this way, to, stimula to simulate 10 milliseconds of the complete processing of even a, even a single nerve cell from the retina would require about 500 simultaneous nonlinear differential equations 100 times and would take at least several minutes of processing on a Cray supercomputer, keeping in mind that there is more than 10 million cells interacting with each other in complex ways. It would take a minimum of 100 years of Cray, this supercomputer, to simulate what takes place in your eye every second. The eye is complex. And here's why I want to tell you this. What Jesus did was not a magic trick. It was not sleight of hand. It was a wonder-filled, miraculous miracle that only God could do. And that's what this is pointing to. This is a miracle that only God can do. This was a man born blind. This was long before any technology and I don't know that we have the technology now for someone that's born blind. Maybe we do, I don't know. But this is a miracle that only God could perform. And it was very clear, and that's what we're going to see. And probably the focus of today is, is what are we going to do with the light that has been given us? And are we going to uh, respond and receive and therefore rejoice, or are we going to reject and rebel against the light of the world? So Jesus encounters this man who was born blind. Of course, the disciples said, you know, who sinned? And we went through that last week. If you weren't here last week, let me encourage you to check that out. Because I think there was some things in there that might be helpful to you about uh, dealing with, with crisis and tragedy uh, in that. So you, you might want to take a look at last week's. But so he, he tells them that it's for God's glory. And we must work while we can. And then he says this, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. That's verse 5. I am the light of the world. And having said this, then he spit on the ground, right? You know this story. If you grew up in Sunday school, you're always like, wow, he spit on the ground. Why did he do that? And why don't we do that at the altar now? Maybe we will. I don't know. If you see a wheelbarrow here someday and some, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. But why did he do that? Why did he spit on the ground? We know that he performed miracles just by speaking the word. I mean, he could perform miracles any way that he wanted. Tony Evans, who's a great preacher, he, he says this, Thus the word of God, the spit from Jesus' mouth, mixed with humanity, the dirt from which man was created, provided the basis for this miracle. By using his saliva, Jesus was imparting divine DNA to the human defect in order to bring about a supernatural transformation in humanity. This was to serve, now this is a key point, as a physical illustration of the supernatural spiritual transformation that Jesus came to bring. Okay, we're going to get to that, but you're probably jumping ahead. We were all born blind, spiritually blind. I'll get to that. Number two, you can tell that I wrote number two. You can tell 
Mark Batterson, beautiful flowery words, and that doctor wrote in words I can't understand. Tony Evans, a tremendous preacher. Here's my second point. I think he did it to tick off the Pharisees. (laughs) That's the Sabella interpretation of things. Because he knew that by spitting and digging, they were going to consider that work on the Sabbath. And not just to tick them off for no reason, but to bring to the light what was in their heart. Okay, Because everything Jesus did had a purpose and a reason. Now, you could ask, I'll say, you you can ask ask someone, why did you do that? And and the answer could literally be, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know why I did that. I don't know what I was thinking. Okay, I wasn't thinking or whatever. But that never happened with Jesus. Why did you do that? He had a reason and a purpose behind everything that he did. So one was this spiritual DNA. Two was to tick off the Pharisees. Another commentator that writes better than I do. But uh, he said Jesus performed his miracles with a sovereign hand. And he cannot be limited by rules of procedure. He cured how he willed. See how beautiful that is? Here's my interpretation. Jesus can do what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, however he wants to do it, because he's God. That's what's happening here. The whole Gospel of John is showing people that Jesus is the Son of God. He is God. He is of the same nature as God the Father. And now Jesus is saying, I am the light of the world. And Jesus can do whatever he wants when he wants to do it. So he chose in this instance to spit on the ground and put mud in the eyes. John 9, 7, he says this, Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed, and he came home seeing. Now can you imagine this guy? He's like he was born blind, (laughs) He encounters Jesus that he had never seen. This Jesus spits on the ground, puts mud in his eye. And I'm thinking it was just as weird then as it would be now. Guy might have been thinking, as if I don't have enough problems already, now somebody's spitting on the ground and putting the mud in my eye. But watch what he did when Jesus said go. What did he do? He went, I wonder if sometimes, not all the times, but I wonder if sometimes that the answers to prayers are based on our lack of obedience and not on God's unwillingness. See? There was a step, and you see in these miracles, there were steps that people had to take all along the way. Am I saying that you're not healed today because you're living a disobedient life? I'm not saying that. Don't don't bring condemnation on yourself. That's not what God wants to do. But maybe there's a little bit to the truth of, maybe there's something in the answer that he wants you to do. And so this guy that had everything against him got mud put in his eyes, Jesus said, go and wash, and he did it. He obeyed. We don't see in this story that he ever questioned why Jesus did what he did. Why Jesus asked him to go. He just did what Jesus wanted him to do, and the miracle came about. The obedience, the I like to think of it as uh, 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 instantaneous obedience, Obedience to the known will of God brought about this miracle. Guy could still be sitting there begging with mud on his eyes. 
if he hadn't been obedient to Jesus. I wonder what sort of blessings God has in store for us when we obey him. Even when it seems weird. Even when we get a call on Sunday morning at 7.30 in the morning, can you go and be with hundreds of children after you've just taught for 25 years? I wonder if that step of obedience... Jeez, Kim, you're making everybody cry today. Uh, poor girl just sitting there minding her own business. But I wonder if it was that step of obedience that brought about the miracle that needed to take place. And I wonder if there were other opportunities that we might have missed. God has wonderful things in store for you. Maybe there's a step of obedience in there somewhere that will open up a whole new world to you. And so this guy comes home seeing. <laughs> what, what must have that have been like? Okay? He walks, the vividness, the awesomeness, the wonder, the beauty. And I use those words because those are words that evolution can't explain. People will say, it, it might be time. Uh, people will say, well, we evolved from something. We evolved from uh, uh, this and that. And, and I just happened by chance. And, and all these other things happened by, by chance. Well, beauty and our understanding of beauty doesn't come by ev any evolutionary thing. The awesomeness and wonder of what we see all around us in the creation of God doesn't come from evolution. It comes from being created in the image of Almighty God. So his neighbors naturally didn't know what to do with it in verse 8. We knew this guy. He was the guy. Maybe they, maybe they knew him from birth. Maybe they cried with the mother and father when he was born and couldn't see. Maybe they watched him grow, but they certainly knew that he was the one that was begging. He would just sit and beg. Some said it was so unbelievable. Some said, that's him. And others said, no, that can't be him. Because they couldn't comprehend this miracle. Let me throw this out there before I forget. Um, the Old Testament says the only, there were no healing, healings of blind people in the Old Testament because healing of the blind was only for the Messiah. That's what Scripture teaches. So the Pharisees that knew the Old Testament knew that only blind eyes could be opened by the Messiah. So just keep that in there, okay? But he himself insisted, no, I'm the guy. I'm the one that couldn't see, and now I can see. How then were your eyes open, they asked. And he replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud. And put it on my eyes. Okay. He told me to go to Siloam and wash, and so I went and washed, and then I could see. And I wrote in here, just the facts. Just the facts. Is that from Dragnet? Just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts. Is that true from Dragnet? Okay, how many have never, ever heard of Dragnet? Okay, if I could have a chair, maybe a stool up here to finish this sermon. No, I'm just, never heard of Dragnet. That's an old one. Just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts. Anyway, watch TV land. So he gives them just the, just, do you remember? Uh, let me go in this avenue here real quick, and I'll get back, I promise. Do you remember when shows weren't so filthy? That's all. I let the Holy Spirit do the rest of that one. 
But just the facts, ma'am. He said, Here, here's this man named Jesus. He, 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 he spit on the ground and made mud. These are all facts. Put it in the, my eyes. I went to Siloam and washed. I went and then I could see. And where is this man? And, and the, the, the blind guy says, I, I don't know. And he wouldn't have recognized Jesus anyhow. Right? Because he had never seen him. It wasn't like, there he is. He had never seen Jesus. Which reminds me of Fanny Crosby, the great hymn writer that was blind. And she said, I don't want to receive my sight. And I'm thankful that I was born blind because the first face I will ever see is Jesus' face. So they brought this guy to the Pharisees. And you understand the Pharisees were, were religious people, but not godly people. And we're going to see how this is absolutely true in this story today. They were religious, but not godly. So they brought the Pharisees, to the Pharisees, the man who had been born blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes, remember I wrote you know, to tick the Pharisees off, was on the Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him uh, how he had received his sight. And he said the same thing, mud in the eyes, I washed, now I can see. Uh, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God. He can't be from God because he worked on the Sabbath. Okay? What, what had happened through the years is these religious leaders had built in more laws to the law. Hundreds and, and thousands of laws. And they had all these things you could and couldn't do based on the law. And if you broke one of their commands, then you were a sinner. But they broke God's commands all of the time. And why couldn't they see that? Because they were blind. All right, you getting it now? You getting a little bit of it? Now watch. In their mind, since he broke the Sabbath, he couldn't be the Messiah because he was a sinner. But others ask this important question. Well, if he's a sinner, how can he do these miraculous signs? And so Jesus confronted them with the truth by spitting, making mud, he confronted them with their own hearts. And people either love that or they hate that. When your kids are young and they point out your flaws, don't you hate that? And why do you hate it? Why does it make you angry? Because it's true. Right? Finally, they turned... Again to the blind man, and what have you to say about him? It was your eyes that he opened, and the man replied, he's a prophet. Well, he didn't fully have it, but he knew this wasn't just an ordinary man. The interesting part of this spiritual growth is he went from at first calling the man, this man Jesus, to now this prophet Jesus. The man's eyes were opening wider to the spiritual truth, which was the ultimate goal. So the Jews still did not believe. Let me touch on this real quick. When it says the Jews, capital J, it's not talking about all of Judaism. It's talking about the religious leaders. Jesus was born a what? Jew. Peter was a? Paul was a? It's not talking about all of the Jews. Okay? This is no place for, you know, racism or anti-Semitism. The Jews still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. They're like, this can't be true. We need to find out more. Is this your son, they said. Is this the one who was born blind? And how can he see in verse 20? We know he's our son, the parents answered. And we know he was born blind. These things we know. 
But how can he see now or who opened his eyes? I don't know. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. Yes, he's our son. Yes, he was born blind. But it's his story to tell and not ours. A second time they summoned the man who had been in verse 24 who had been blind. Give glory to God, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I can see. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was blind, but now I see. I know I was blind. You know I was blind. I know I can see. You know I can see. I don't know everything, but here's what I do know. I was blind, but now I can see. Do you know, you don't have to know everything about Jesus to share Jesus with someone else. You don't have to be able to answer everyone's questions. You don't have to debate the people that are on TV. You don't have to debate Harvard philosophy majors. You don't have to debate atheists that write books on things. You only have to be able to tell your story. And here's your story. Here's my story. I grew up in church. I was in church before I was born. Literally. But I was born blind. Couldn't see the truths of God's word. And I I stayed in church and I went through Sunday school and everything. And I knew a lot up here. But I was still blind to the truth of who Jesus was. Until one day. Until one day. I could see. Maybe your story is you didn't grow up in church, but, but now you know. That's the only story you have to tell. That's what it means to be a witness. I was spiritually blind, but now I can see, and it's the best decision that I ever made. Well, what about this, and what about this? I don't know. That's what the guy said. I don't know, but here's what I do know. I was blind, but now I can see. Uh, your story, I, I, I was desperate, but now I've been delivered. I was purposeless. I didn't have a purpose in life, and, and, and now I do. And, and I was afraid of death because I didn't know whether I was going to go to heaven or not. But, but now I'm not because I know what Jesus has done for me on the cross. I watch this. We're not responsible to be the light. Jesus is the light of the world. We're responsible to reflect his light. And what other people do with that light is their responsibility. Do you understand? And we're going to get to that in just a minute. You still there? I'm trying to get through this whole chapter today, so bear with me. I'm reading fast, and I'm going as quickly as I can. And all God's people said, but what did he do, they asked. How did he heal you? Look. The man exclaimed, I told you once, didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Now, this was a bold guy. He's standing before the Supreme Court, and more so because they could order his death. But when you've been blind, and now you can see, there's a boldness that comes with that. Do you want to become his disciples too? He says to them, isn't that great? I think that's why I like this. There's a lot of sarcasm in this chapter. I think that's why I like it. Then look what they did in verse 28. They didn't say, well, we just want to get to the facts so we can understand what's going on here. 
They cursed him, is what it said, and said, you are his disciple, but we're disciples of Moses. Wait till later on when Jesus says, before Moses is, I am. They really hated that. We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man comes from. Why? That's very strange, the born blind man replied. It's very strange. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from. And they're not talking Bethlehem. They're talking, you don't know whether he's from above or below. He healed me. He didn't destroy me. You don't know where he's from. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. And so now this man became a preacher. Why? Because he was blind. But now he can see. They respond to him, you were born a total sinner. (laughs) They answered, are you trying to teach us as if we're not sinners? See? And they threw him out of church, says the synagogue, what they mean church. It's like I wanted to do with the people that put pineapple and, and ham. I just throw them out. Little leaven spoils the whole loaf. Little, little pineapple ruins the whole pizza. So watch the progression of the healed man in contrast to the Pharisees. Again, These are supposed to be the religious leaders, and yet they're more blind than this man had ever been. Right? So the man responds like this. Uh, He's a a man. Jesus is a man. He's a prophet. He's a teacher with disciples. Do you want to be his disciple too? He's from God. He's from above. This is verse 33. I didn't get there yet. And he is worthy of praise, verse 38. But look what the Pharisees did. They rejected that Jesus was from God. They questioned the miracle. They called Jesus a sinner. They called the man a sinner. They acknowledged their ignorance in verse 29. And Jesus, well, we'll see. I'll show you that in a minute. When Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and asked him, Do you believe in the Son of Man? That's an Old Testament name referring to God. Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man man answered, Who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. And Jesus says this, You have seen him. Do you love that? You have seen him. Jesus said, And he is speaking to you now. Yes, Lord, I believe. And that was Jesus' whole purpose. Because it's a, this story is not about a man born physically blind. This story is about all of us that were born spiritually blind. And unless we believe in Jesus, we'll remain blind for all eternity, even though we can see. Yes, Lord, I believe. Did the man understand everything? Nope. Would he be able to debate the finer points of the law with the Pharisees? Nope. But here's what he knew. I was blind, and now I can see, and it's because of Jesus. 
So maybe someday when we get to heaven, it, this isn't how it's going to be, but maybe if we were asked when we got to heaven why we should be in heaven, here's a good response. I was blind. Yeah, but do you, do you understand justification by faith? Progressive sanctification, do you, can you write a paper on progressive sanctification? Can, can, you, can you explain to me the eschatological implications of premillennial rapture? No, but here's what I do know. I was blind, and now I can see, and it's because of Jesus. Glory to God. That's the good news of the gospel. Did the guy heal himself? No. Only Jesus could do what he needed. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshiped Jesus. Then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, to show those who think they see that they are blind. Some Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and asked, Are you saying we're blind? If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus said. But you remain guilty because you claim you can see. Have you heard this phrase? There are none so blind as those that will not see. So let's look at some take, takeaways from this. Number one, Jesus is the light of the world. There is no other light like Jesus. There's no other philosophy. There is no other prof, prophet. There is no other name by which man shall be saved. Jesus is the light of the world. And the world is dark and he has come to bring light. Number two, the response to the light reveals the heart. The response to the light reveals the heart. Now, I, didn't have, I don't have time to get into all of this, but there's a, a parallel to chapter 8. And if you know John chapter 8, it's the adulterous woman, right? And so they used her for their own purposes to try to trick Jesus and then gradually they just dropped their stones and went away. You know that story, right? At the end of that passage, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And then he says it again in John chapter 9. So there's a parallel between 8 and, and 9. Okay? So in 8, the religious leaders fled the light, right? And it's like if you had uh, a tarp down on the ground. Well, I did this. I had a tarp on the ground where I would have my wood for my little fire pit, and then I took that tarp up after years, and what was under it besides dirt? Bugs. And what do those bugs do when they saw the light? They scattered. Why? Because they hate the light. And so when Jesus revealed the light of truth and grace in John chapter 8, what did the Pharisees do? They scattered. See? Now he says the same thing, I am the light of the world. And he shows them that your response to me, Jesus, reveals what's in your heart. Okay? Let me show you this, John 3, 19 and 21. And the judgment is based on this fact. This is John 3, 19 and 21. God's light came into the world but people loved darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. 
Why do people love darkness more than the light? Because their actions were evil and it revealed their heart. Because God's light always reveals the heart. Billy Graham said and has always said that your acceptance of Christ is never a head issue. It's always a heart issue. Because the human heart wants to do what it wants to do. It's deceitfully wicked above all else. And that's the Old Testament. Jesus is proving that here. We want to do what we want to do. Do you know that some people that grew up in church and no longer attend church or want anything to do with church, they actually understand the call of Jesus better than some people in the church. Let me explain that to you. They know that how they're living is not right, and they don't want to give that up in order to follow Jesus because the light reveals their heart. I'm going to tell you how to pray for them in just a minute. I'm not trying to condemn anyone. We were all blind, okay? But that's why. They don't want to give up whatever it is that they think they need to give up because they're blinded to the fact that whatever we give up is nothing compared to what we gain. Do you understand all of this? Is any of this making sense today? Because to me, it's making perfect sense, and I'm hoping that translates to you. All who do evil, these are Jesus' words. People say they can't understand Scripture. Well, they're not reading the same Bible. Well, don't read Leviticus. Read John. Okay? All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. This is God's word. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. Why do people reject the light? Because they love evil more than they love God. And why do those who do evil hate the light? Because they're afraid their sins will be exposed. 35 years of ministry, I've had people I'm not thinking of anyone recently. People leave the church because we preached on sin. I've had people tell me, I don't want to come to church to hear about sin. I want to feel better about myself. And I said, I'm not a, I didn't say it this harshly. I'm not a, a preacher of you feeling better about yourself. I'm a preacher of Christ and him crucified. And it's not about feeling better about yourself. It's about feeling better about Jesus. And sometimes people don't want that light. Well, can't you just tell us about happy things? I can. I can tell you about heaven, which is the ultimate place, but you ain't going to get there because you're blind. And only Jesus can heal you from that blindness. And then you have to obey. Ah, I don't want to do that. I don't want to stop sleeping around. I don't want to break up with my boyfriend or girlfriend. Listen, there are no, there's nothing that will lead you away from God faster than a bad relationship. And I don't care what you say. And I don't care what anybody else says. And I don't care what your story is. There's nothing that will lead you away from the Lord faster than a bad relationship. I've seen it and you've seen it. And they don't see it. Why? Because they're blind. People don't want to give up alcohol. 
so they don't want to serve the Lord. And this isn't a sermon on, you know, moderate drinking. But they, they don't want to give up partying. They don't want to give up getting drunk on the weekends. They don't want to give up living for the weekend. They don't want to give that up. That's why they don't serve and follow Jesus. They'll guise it as excuses. Well, I knew this Christian one time. Well, so what? Here, here's my new one on that, that answer. I knew this Christian and they were, so what? What about Christ? Here's my new answer. Imagine if I said this, not on a Sunday, but on a Saturday, where all I wanted the whole day was Chick-fil-A. Now, how many like Chick-fil-A? I appreciate their stance on the Sabbath. I really do, in my heart. But sometimes in my belly, I wish they were open on Sundays after church. Now think about it. Could you imagine the business they would have on a Sunday with just church people to the glory of God? So imagine I encountered someone and they said, oh, I hate Chick-fil-A. I'd be like, yeah, because I went there one time and the, the person uh, that was helping me, they were training and didn't know what they were doing. And so I'm never going to Chick-fil-A again. You would say, well, that's stupid. Why would you not go to Chick-fil-A because someone was just learning their job? See, what light does is it reveals what's already in our heart. See? Let me go a little further. That's why some people hate you. You can't figure it out. You're a nice person, and you probably are. You're always nice to them, and, you know, you go above and beyond. Why are they so angry, and why do they hate you? Because they don't hate you. They hate the light in you. That's why. Right? And every time you come around, it reminds them of their own sin. Instead of asking for the Savior, they just go deeper into their own sin. That's why they hate you. So don't take it so personally. Okay, number three. And I only have 14 points. No, I'm kidding. I, I have four. Four more. Everybody okay? Okay. We are all spiritually blind. And we cannot help ourselves. We were born blind. We were born spiritually blind. And only Jesus can help us to see the light of salvation. And here's what Jesus helps us to see. Number one, our sin. And number two, he's the Savior. That's what he helps us see, our sin. The first step in salvation is understanding that we're sinners. That's the first step. If you don't think you're a sinner, then you don't think you need a Savior. But when you recognize, compared to God, not compared to your neighbor, that you're a great sinner in need of a great Savior, when you recognize that, that's Jesus shining light, and you're beginning to respond, yes, I am a sinner, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, but... The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. See? So what does he do? We're all born spiritually blind. Jesus helps us to see our sin and his salvation. And I was wrong. I only have three points. Those three points. Okay, let me bring this around. Number one, letter A under number three. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, I say this in the kindest way possible, you're still blind. This is why you can't understand some things. And it's not making sense to you. But you're here today 
for a reason. And you're here today because you needed to hear this. Y'all had somewhere else to be if you wanted to be. You could have been anywhere. You could have offered any excuse imaginable. But you're all here today because God wanted you here today. I believe that. And some of you have never responded positively to the light. And I want to tell you that serving Jesus is always better than serving the devil. Always. Look at the people in your life. Do you want to end up like that? That's where you might be headed apart from Jesus, but he's giving you that opportunity. Well, this is talking about all this sin. It makes me feel like I'm a sinner. Exactly. Now the next step is, here's Jesus with open arms. Saying, just believe. Believe that I died on the cross. Believe that I rose again. Believe that I am the Son of God, the only Son of God. Ask for forgiveness and I will save you. And your eyes will be opened. And you can look forward to life on earth, an abundant life on earth. And a beyond comprehension life in heaven for eternity. Some of you need to respond to the light for the first time. Secondly, we all have friends and loved ones that aren't serving the Lord. And here's how you pray for them. Point B. Pray that their eyes would be opened to the sin in their life. One. Because some people live their life, I'm not a sinner. Don't forget, we have this whole country now is post Christian. Okay? It's post Christian. You can talk to people about the simplest concepts of salvation. They have never heard it before. They think, I'm in good shape. I have a house. I have a good job. I have a nice car. I have a nice family. I'm in good shape. That's not going to get you to heaven. See, the gospel isn't you'll live a better life serving Jesus. The gospel is you'll live an eternal life accepting Jesus. Because the reality is, I don't think Paul lived an easier life after serving Jesus. But he wouldn't exchange it for anything. Because he was blind and now he could see. And that's why he could stand before them and say, hey, this is the way it is. So you need to pray for those in your life. And in, a, in, a, in an earthly sense, they might, it might seem like they got it all together. They don't. And it's not about this earth. It's about eternity. And you need to pray that that light would go on. Okay? And then secondly, that they would see that Jesus is the only answer. It's not self-help. I need the help of God. I can't help myself. <laughs> not self-help. I need the help of God. Maybe that opportunity is, you know, Joe, John, Sally, Jane, whatever your name is, I know you go to church and I know you're a religious person. That's how it might come across. I get called reverend by everybody outside of the church. Well, you know, reverend, I don't go by reverend. Okay, but anyway, that's all they know. I know you're a religious person. And I'm just going through this, and I know, you know, maybe your church could pray for me or something. You know what? That is God opening the door. Yes, we will pray, and we'll pray for you, and, and I'll get back to you. And I know people in church that will do it. Be obedient. Do it. That's light. It might only be cracked open, but there's light coming in there if they're asking questions. 
Pray that they would see their sin. Pray that they would see Jesus as the only Savior. And then let the Holy Spirit do his work. You can't heal yourself. You can't heal the blind dude. But you know somebody that can. And his name is Jesus and he's the answer. I once was blind. But now I see. Because of his amazing, amazing grace. The Pharisees thought they could see. And they remained blind. And they missed what was right before them. Don't miss Jesus today. Don't miss the opportunity to pray for others. Because they need Jesus desperately. And we are living in this time for that purpose. To reflect God's light in this lost and dying world. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Hope Online Podcast. For more information about Hope Assembly of God, go to www.godgivesyouhope.com or download our app in the App Store.